Galatians chapter 6 tonight, really one verse uh, that we're going to be kind of focusing in on here in Galatians 6. Galatians 6 and verse number 9, and a sermon entitled, Words to the Weary. Words to the Weary. When you've found your place, I invite you, if you would, stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read this verse in unison together, Galatians 6 and verse number 9. Would you join me? The Bible says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Father, again, have your will and way in these moments we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we're coming off a busy week. We're coming off a blessed week. But, but let's be honest, it was a busy week. Uh, one of the missionaries even commented, do you people do this stuff all the time? It seems like there is always something happening here every day, everywhere. And I thought about it for a minute, and then I was like, yes, there, there is always something happening. There is not an open day on the calendar. There is hardly an open classroom to be had. We have stuff going all the time. And sometimes I like to think it's just a busy season. But one busy season rolls into the next busy season. And we're just busy people. But here's the thing about busy people. Sometimes busy people become tired people. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now, if we're not careful, here's what happens though. Tired people turn into weary people. Now, tired and weary are different things. Tired is what happens when we work hard and we need a break. I'm coaching my older two children uh, in soccer this fall. We had our first soccer game last night. So October, whatever it was, and it was 7,000 degrees, and uh, we had our first soccer game. Those kids would run for about five minutes, and they would look at me with these big old wild eyes that say, help me, get me off the field, I want to sit down. And so we would sub them in and sub them out, but wouldn't you know them little boogers, man, they'd be on the bench for like three or four minutes, and what were they doing? They were going, hey, coach, when can I go back in? Hey, coach, I'm ready. Hey, coach, I want to play. You see, that's tired. You know, you've been working, you've been busy, living life, and you need a break. That's okay. Weariness is something else. Weariness is a state of depletion whereby we're reluctant to even continue. It has the idea of being utterly spiritless or to fail in heart. To borrow from the soccer analogy, it's coming out of the game and really having no desire to play any longer. Now, let's make a distinction here. Tired is natural and normal. Tired is a healthy consequence of truly living life. Weariness, on the other hand, weary is an unhealthy spiritual and emotional state that needs to be addressed. That's right. Now, you may get weary. Moses got weary. David got weary. You ever read the Psalms? David got weary. Elijah got weary. He sat and said, Lord, I'm the only one left. May as well just kill me. No point anymore. We've all gotten weary, amen? But though we all get weary, Christian God doesn't want you to stay weary. 
Here's what we have to come to understand. We don't have to live lives of quiet desperation hoping that tomorrow will be different. Well, I'll just hold on. This too shall pass. I guess I, guess I got to just get through. We're, we're not supposed to be living lives of quiet desperation. Sometimes we get tired. And so we take a break. We go to sleep. We spend some extra time recharging ourselves in God's word and prayer. But weariness, weariness we need to address for what it is. Now the Lord gives us some practical, uh, some positive practical perspective and encouragement to help us when we find we are weary in heart. So I'm going to look at a couple of thoughts tonight from this verse. Again, the Bible says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So let's talk first of all tonight about the problem of fainting. The problem of fainting. So what is fainting? Fainting happens when in our weakness we, we let go of our responsibilities. Uh, fainting is falling out of our place due to despondency and weakness. Now here's the problem with fainting. The problem is when we grow weary and when we faint, when we let go of our responsibilities, when we fall out of our place... The problem is when we get to that point where we're weary and we begin to faint, we often tend to feel very alone and very isolated. When we get there, minor inconveniences become major incidents. You ever heard of the straw that that broke the camel's back? When we get here, here's the problem. We are ready to walk away from what and where God has us. Now, the problem of fainting is this, and Christian, in love tonight, I want to tell you, there is no backup plan for you. God created you with an eternal purpose in mind. God saved you with an eternal purpose in mind. You are here for a reason. You say, well, preacher, I'm only nine. Wonderful, you're here for a reason. You say, preacher, I'm 90. Wonderful, you are here for a reason. You say, preacher, I just want to go home and be with the Lord. Well, I think that's a wonderful desire to have, but guess what? You're not home with the Lord. You're stuck here with me, and you're here for a reason. And there is no backup plan for you. God has an eternally significant will for your life that only you can fulfill. So if you faint, if you fall back, if you let go of the responsibilities God has given you, let me happen. What, let me ask you, what happens to that which God has ordained for you to accomplish? The problem with fainting is that there is no backup plan for you. The problem with fainting, let me give you another one is that with weariness and fainting, we often fail to diagnose where this is coming from. So the analogy that we see in Galatians 6 is agriculture, sowing and reaping. We know this, you will reap what, say it with me, you will reap what you sow. And so when you think about this analogy of sowing and reaping, uh, what are some things that could cause us to grow weary? Well, when I think about farming or I think about gardening, I can think about maybe the constant war against weeds. Them stinking weeds. If they would just quit growing all the time, gardening wouldn't be half bad. Hmm. 
Maybe we could blame the constant war on weeds. Maybe we could blame our constant struggle with weather. It's either too dry or it's too wet. It is never just right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we blame the weight. If you're anything like me, I mean, it's neat to see it grow, but I want to eat it now. I want to eat it now. I remember when we first started gardening. My kids were notorious. The first little sign of that tiny green tomato, they would walk off, pluck it off, and be like, look, mama, a tomato. Well, it would have been a tomato, um, but not anymore. So the analogy here, sowing and reaping, what would cause us to grow weary? Maybe the war on weeds. Maybe the struggle with weather. Maybe the weight. All of those things can be hard, yes? Let's bring it back to life. What causes us to grow weary? Well, we blame the calendar, don't we? It's just so busy. The kids have music practice and then sports practice and then I've got to work and they told me I've got to work this weekend and, and we still got to find time to cut the grass and we've got to pay the bills and we've got to go here and we've got to go there and then this has happened and this has happened and, and Timmy's got a doctor's appointment there and Mama's got a doctor's appointment there and we're going round and round and round. We blame the calendar, don't we? We blame the culture. Boy, it would be great except for, you know, all the people around us we have to deal with all the time. We blame the chaos. We blame the stress. We blame the stressors. Here's the thing about the calendar, the culture, the chaos, the stress, the stressors. All of these things can, make, can be hard, and all of these things can make you tired, but tired and weary are different. Church weary has less to do with what is going on around you and a whole lot more to do on what's really going on within you. You see, things around me can make me tired. Life makes me tired. But weary is not so much all the stuff around me. Weary is the stuff going on within me. And as a Christian, by the way, I always have the grace that I need to be what I need to be within me. I think about the Apostle Paul. A couple of familiar passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Paul talks about how, how a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan was given to him. Go to the next part of the verse for me, David. Uh, to, to buffet him. That word buffet means to hit with a closed fist. So basically, a messenger or, or an angel, of a demon was sent to Paul. And Paul said, basically, that joker beat me in the face with his fist. Now, how many of us want to sign up for that? I'll take train stopped across the tracks for 100, right? Don't need the messenger of Satan punching me in the face with a fist. I'm not signing up for that one. Verse number 8, Paul says this. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. That seems like a reasonable prayer. God, I'm doing your will. God, I'm trying to do your work. God, I'm trying to serve you. God, I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to reach people. God, please stop this demon from punching me in the face. Verse number nine. And he said unto me what? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul said, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, being tired about what, from what you have to deal with on the outside is very different than growing weary because we fail to deal with things properly on the inside. By the way, church, his grace is still sufficient. 
And if his grace was sufficient for the messenger of Satan punching him in the face, his grace is sufficient for you. I think about what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter, or Philippians, sorry, chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6. Paul says, be careful, be anxious, uh, be anxious or worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there are things in this world that will cause us to worry and be anxious and have all of that. But Paul says, if it's going on around you is one thing, but you don't let it in you. Because when we take those things that would cause us worry and anxiety and care and we give them to God in prayer, what happens? Verse number 7, that the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's kind of the old analogy. We mentioned it in our study of Corinthians a number of times. Ships don't sink because they are in the water. But rather, ships sink because the water gets in them. So that's the problem with fainting, church. Very often, we fail to remember there's no backup plan for you. We also fail to properly diagnose where it comes from. Weary has less to do with what is going on around you and far more to do with what is going on within you. But God here gives us a couple of truths that can help us deal with weariness when it creeps in. Go back to Galatians 6 and verse number 9. Paul wrote, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we saw first the problem of fainting. Secondly, church, I think we need to see the promise of fruitfulness. The promise of fruitfulness. This verse promises that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The promise here is that we will reap if we do not faint. So if we don't succumb to weariness, if we don't succumb to fainting, we have the promise from God that our lives will be meaningly fruitful for His glory. We play on the analogy again of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. It's true for basic biology and it's true for basic Bible truth. But what does this mean? I think sometimes if we have the wrong perspective on what this means, that having the wrong perspective on fruit can also contribute to our weariness and fainting. Because so often we live in this, we live in this physical realm, do we not? And so often we look to define fruit in terms of specific physical results. For instance, I pray for a person, and so my expectation is we want to see them get saved. We pray for that child. We want them to live right, or we want them to get right. We we pray for the struggle or the opposition to stop. We pray for the relationship to be restored. We pray for financial or material provision or success. We pray for reward in doing well. We, We look for answered prayer and for prayer to be answered specifically as it was asked. But sometimes, church, when we don't get the results that we want or we don't get the results we feel we deserve, we can become weary and discouraged. We think, well, it hadn't happened like I thought it did. It hadn't happened like I expected it to. It sure didn't happen like I wanted it to. Therefore, 
I don't even know if it's worth it. Church, it is worth it to live for Jesus. I'm reminded here, church, that the promise here is primarily of a spiritual nature. You look at the context. Go back to verse number 7 of this passage. Paul wrote, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to snub your nose at God. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We have here a promise for a spiritual sowing and reaping. It's primarily spiritual. We have the promise of eternal life and eternal reward. By the way, the Bible is clear. God keeps a perfect set of books. And I may look and I may want and I may expect a certain level of, boy, I, I, I wish or I feel like I've been taken advantage of or I wish that, that, that maybe people saw or knew or whatever it is. But God, church, keeps a perfect set of books. There's, there's a verse I love, and it's an odd verse to me, but I love it. Matthew 10 and verse 42. Jesus said, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple. That's an odd verse to me. Why would you give a cup of cold water in a disciple's name? But Jesus is clear. If you only did it in the name of a disciple, look what he says. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. You know what that verse teaches me? That verse teaches me my Jesus is looking for opportunities for, to reward us for living right and doing right and serving him. And, 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 and my God keeps a perfect set of books. And so we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of eternal reward. But church, we also do have the promise of earthly impact. God's word doesn't return void. When I give God's word, it doesn't return void. God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's wisdom, the Bible says, holds nothing back that is good for me. God wants to answer my prayer. Matthew 7 and verse number 7. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. He summarized this in verse 11. He, he made the analogy, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Just, just think about that with me. We, we delight to do good for our children. And we are very, very flawed individuals, are we not? Yeah. Timothy's getting ready to have his first birthday. Hard to believe, little booger. His new thing is he likes to get things and throw them under the couch and look for them. Whatever. So for a one-year-old, my wife and I spent an unholy amount of time on Amazon Reading product reviews, product reviews for bubble-producing lawnmowers, Little Tykes basketball hoops, coupe cars, bath toy, you name it. And when you stop and think about it rationally, he's one. His older siblings are going to use these things a thousand times more than he ever will. 
He will probably have no conscious memory of ever owning any of this. And yet we labored. We searched. We we read so many, especially on those bubble lawnmowers, we read so many reviews. Why? Because our heart is to do good to our kids. And if as flawed as we are, that's our heart, how much more our Father who is in heaven. We have the promise of eternal reward. We have the promise of earthly impact. Fruit will come. In due season, we shall reap. Fruit will come. That is a promise from God. But here's what I want to point out tonight. And here's, I think, one of the keys. The fruit, the results, the implications, they don't come from me. They come from God. Remember verse number 8? He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap. Now here's what happens. Very often, I grow weary because I burden myself with what doesn't belong to me. I burden myself with, that person's not saved yet. I burden myself with, I can't get a hold of that child's heart. I burden myself with, why haven't I been praying this way for years and nothing's happened? I burden myself with, with all of these, these things, these results, these fruits. But the thing is, the fruit, the fruit, producing the fruit is not my responsibility. And when I burden myself with what doesn't belong to me, I weary myself with what I cannot control. So how do I fend off weariness? It's very simple. Choose to trust God. You think about this, the promise of fruitfulness. How do I fight off weariness? I I want the fruit. I want the good. I want to dwell off that. I want to rejoice in that. I want to see all these things happen. And and sometimes they don't happen when I want or how I want or as I want or they don't, that my expectations, boy, I I thought yellow and now it's it's green. And, and, And what do we do? And we can weary ourselves or we can choose to trust God. I love Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. By the way, thou, speaking of the Lord, wilt keep him, speaking of us, in perfect peace. So who is keeping who in peace? He is keeping me in perfect peace. But who is that him? Whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he... Trusteth in thee. Boy, it's real easy when it doesn't go our way to question God, isn't it? Because he trusteth in thee. Look at verse number four. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Choose to trust God.
What happens when my health starts to fail? Choose to trust God. What happens when relationships become strained and and I want them to be reconciled? What happens? Choose to trust God. What happens when the grocery bills grow and the paychecks don't? Amen. Amen, Gene. You want to take over, brother? That's some sound wisdom. Other than eat less, along with eating less, what do we do when the grocery bill grows but the paycheck doesn't? Choose to trust God. We choose to trust him. Why? Because he doesn't falter. He doesn't fail. We choose to trust him because he doesn't change. We choose to trust him because he's enough. We choose to trust that he will do exactly what he said he will do, that it will be worth it all, and that he will work on my behalf. See, we have the promise of fruitfulness. All throughout the scripture, God's people are a blessed people. We're not immune from hardship, but God's people are a blessed people. But what do we do when it gets a little fuzzy, when it gets a little hard, when it's not coming as much or as easily as we hoped? What do we do? We choose to trust God. So we see the problem of fainting. We see the promise of fruitfulness. I want you to see one other thing. Look at this verse one more time with me. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The problem of fainting, the promise of fruitfulness. Finally, you know what this verse is simply teaching us? The principle of faithfulness. The principal concern then for you and I is to just be Faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, what church? Faithful. We are called to simply be faithful to the master. Luke 9 verse 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and do what? And take up his cross, what church? Daily and follow me. We're called to simply be faithful. Be faithful to the master. To simply be faithful to the mission. Matthew 25 and verse number 21. The parable of the talents. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. By the way, he said the same thing to the guy who had ten as to the guy who had less. He's not looking at the overall results. He is looking at our what? He's looking at our resolve. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. We're called to be faithful. Be faithful to the master. To be faithful to the mission. To be faithful to the message. To be faithful in prayer. Luke 18 in verse number 1. Look what Jesus said. Luke 18 and verse number 1. They'll get that one up on the screen for us. Jesus said this. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought, what church? Men ought 
always to pray and not to faint. You see, the answer to prayer is not my job. My job is to simply do what? To pray, to be faithful to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock, to pray with importunity, to just keep praying. Paul put it to the Thessalonians that we are to what? Pray without ceasing. Boy, that's a neat way of saying just be faithful. Call it to be faithful. Be faithful to the master. Be faithful to the mission. Be faithful to the message. Be faithful in prayer. We're called to be faithful to love and minister and do good. We've been reading Galatians 6 and verse number 9, but look at the very next verse, verse 10. The very next verse says this, As we have therefore opportunity, because we're going to reap if we faint not. So as we have opportunity, what should we do? We should do good. We should do good, do good to who? All men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse number 13, we see something similar. He says, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Just be faithful. Be faithful to the master. Be faithful to the mission. Be faithful to the message. Be faithful to prayer. Be faithful to love and minister and do good. Be faithful to stand for God's truth. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. What's a good synonym for steadfast? What do you think? Be faithful. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Just be faithful. Be faithful to the master, to the mission, to the message, to prayer, to love, to minister, to do good, to to stand for God's truth. Be faithful. Mamas and daddies, be faithful to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train up your children in the way they should go. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse number 6, we see this, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Look what it says in verse number 7. And thou shalt teach them what? Teach them diligently. Boy, what do you think is a good synonym for diligently? Faithful, right? To thy children. And thou shalt talk of them. Well, when when are you going to talk of them? When thou sittest in thine house, and uh, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So basically, there's never not a good time. Is that right? Never not a good time? Is that good? Is that all right? I'd use double negatives, but I use them on purpose. So there's never not a good time for us to to, to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We, We need to just be faithful. Christian, be faithful. Our job is to be faithful. It's God's job to do the work, to produce the fruit, to give the increase. Faithfulness is the simple but required component for the Christian life. As we all want to hear what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What does faithful mean? Faithful means firmly adhering to duty. It means loyal. It means true to allegiance. It means I know who I am. I am a Christian. I am a blood-bought child of God. It means I know who I follow. I don't follow this athlete or that singer. I don't follow culture or a political party. I follow King Jesus. 
It means I know where I'm called. God has called me to this church. God has planted me in this community. And I tell you what, no matter what comes along, I'm not going to quit. If 20 years from now, situation has changed in such a way that we're meeting in house churches and we're doing all that. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to keep meeting. Amen. We're just going to keep singing. We're just going to keep preaching. We're just going to keep witnessing. We're just going to keep loving. We're just going to keep praying. We're just going to keep training our kids. We're just going to keep on keeping on because there are blessings that faithfulness brings that nothing else can. I think about it with the young people. They're in their new school year. You want to do well at academics? Be faithful to your studies. Rolling in five minutes before the test and cracking the book doesn't really cut it. Doesn't really set you up for success. You want to reap some blessings in your physical health? Be faithful to things that make you healthy. Eating a 24-pack of, uh, of uh, all-beef ballpark franks And then um, cutting it with your fruit and veggie shake and can cut it, right? You want to grow skills in some area? You want to learn how to play an instrument? You want to learn how to, how, how, to, how to work with your hands, work with wood, work on cars, work on technology? Work at it. Be faithful. Do it each day. There are blessings that faithfulness brings that nothing else can. Let me tell you, Christian, do you, wanna, you want to see... Folks, come to know the Lord through your witness. Witness. Give out the track at Miller's. Give out the track at Applebee's or at Bob Evans. I tell you, we ought to love those people and invite those people in the service industry so much. We're a small town. They ought, to be, they ought to have a stack of harvest cards and radio cards. and all, They ought to have a stack at home by now. We're just going to keep loving people. You want somebody to come to know the Lord through your witness? Just witness. And you know what? You may witness and invite and people may not come. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to sow seeds. You're going to water seeds. And one day, by God's grace and for God's glory, he's going to give the increase. You want to see somebody get saved? Just be faithful to witness. Church, I hope we're all praying for Savannah tomorrow. I hope we stop tomorrow. Set a reminder on your phone. Pray for this young lady as she shares Jesus with her class. I mean, what an awesome opportunity to just sow gospel seed. Amen? You want to get better at reading and studying your Bible? Do it. Be faithful. Be faithful. I don't understand very much of it. Well, I'll tell you what. They didn't understand too much algebra when they first opened the book last year. But they were stuck with me almost every day last year. And guess what? By the end of it, they all understood it better than when they started. You want to, read, you want to understand your Bible? You want to grow in reading? and Just be faithful. Just get up and do it every day. Before you get, get on Facebook, put your face in the book. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Just be faithful. You want to see God answer prayer? Pray. Pray. Pray specifically. Pray often. You know, sometimes God doesn't answer prayer because we don't pray. 
Or sometimes God doesn't answer prayer because we pray so generally. Lord, bless the missionaries. Lord, bless the Sunday school teacher. Lord, bless the preacher. Lord, bless our family. Be with Aunt Edna's toenail. It's ingrown again. I mean, sometimes we just pray so generic and so shallow. What, what, what is there to really answer? What can we point to and say, God answered that prayer right there? You know what? We can look at what God did for Mrs. Kaufman. Those levels are back up, way above where they were last week. We can rejoice in that. Why? Because God answered a specific prayer. You want to see God answer a prayer? Pray. Pray. You want to see God use you? Minister, serve, love, help. You know, if we live looking for opportunities to help, we are going to be overwhelmed with the opportunities we find. Here's the thing, church. Some words to the weary tonight. I I cannot control outcomes. I want to. Can I get an amen? But I can't. I cannot control outcomes, but I can weary myself over outcomes. I can't control the timing of the harvest, can I? But I can weary myself over the timing. I I can't control opposition. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to get saved. I I want everybody to know and serve the Lord. But I can't control opposition. But I can weary myself over opposition. You know what, church? There's a lot of things that I can't control. And there's a lot of things that you can't control. But we can control the one thing that really matters. I can control my obedience. My responsibility is simply to just be faithful. A couple of things. Be faithful with a devoted heart, a servant's heart. What does that mean? That that means we ought to have some humility. That means we ought to have some readiness. That that means we we ought to come ready to do whatever the Lord would have us to do. I am my Lord's servant. And so I come with a devoted heart. That's my perspective. When it comes to my performance... I need to understand that I am my Lord's steward. I I am a manager of what he has given me. The time, the talent, the treasure, the opportunities. I I manage what God has given to me. And so here I come to the Lord with a diligent hand. A servant's heart. The heart of a servant. And the hand of a steward. Words to the weary. Church, weariness isn't about what's going on around us. It's about what's going on within us. I wonder who tonight needs to take the turmoil inside and say, I trust God. I just simply choose to trust God. I wonder who tonight needs to look at the turmoil inside and say, you know what? Come what may, I'm just going to be faithful. Church, if we trust him and we are faithful to him,
we will find that he is everything he said he would be.